Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Welcome in Reno. It's ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno, Cofield and Company hanging out off the uh, Las Vegas Strip. Silver 7s, our home on Thursday, 77-cent beers. Got the 777 hot dog special, couple dogs, the big beer, and some chips. And that's all in effect for the Vegas Golden Knights tonight and Thursday night football. We'll get some picks, leans, and likes. NFL, more college from Brad Powers in about 45 minutes. JVT, John Von Tobel, part of Lotus Broadcasting, also with v also with uh, the Superbook doing podcast. He does everything, lots of jobs. Works with Learfield as well. He's a busy man. It's Steve Cofield. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota studios. And Angel is helping us out here. Let's get to it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. So to close out last hour, people who weren't listening couldn't get us. We were talking about bowling. And the XFL Vipers quarterback, Luis Perez, who said uh, he actually chose bowling over football in high school when he got a little frustrated about his opportunities. And I was joking at the last of end hour or the uh, the end of the last hour. Um, I'm not stressed. I have an easy life, but I don't know if I have it mentally anymore to bowl to bowl to a good average. It's a tough sport. And and you guys played me the clip that was Pete Weber about the, you know that whole weird. Who do you think you are? I am. Okay, Pete. <laughs> I forgot what a whack job he's turned into. Cappuccino guy. You yes. Um, you, it feels like you have a stressful. I don't know what's going on here. You have a family structure, and when that. Structure is not around. You get scared being at home alone. It's not a fun pass for you. No, so well, I, it's it's not a fun pass one because you mentioned all the jobs that I have. So I've been working like You're this working whole anyway, time, yeah. right? Um, no, but like at night, I'm so used to having right like two kids, my wife, and our the way our place is set up, it's like a long hallway into the rooms, and so like I'm just in the very back of the apartment essentially. I don't know. I feel like I just don't have a good grasp of what's going on. Like I have some like big luxurious apartment, but it is pretty good space. It feels kind of creepy. So usually I'm like a sleep with the door open type person. I actually sleep with the door closed and I lock it. Do you really? Yeah. I don't know why. I just I never I do feel, that. I feel kind of freaked out when I'm alone. Only time I do that is at a hotel. Well, yeah. I mean, it to automatically locks. But I also do the latch thing. My door's always open. I don't. I don't. I don't need the door closed. Plus, I live in a, a kind of a noisy area, so I don't get freaked out by noises. Yeah, cars, trucks, motorcycles, choppers overhead, looking for people. So, it's wild times. Oh, one of my favorite memories as a child when I lived on the uh, four three zero six Sandcastle Drive. Um, I lived on the bottom floor. That was my only room. Everybody else was upstairs. Really? And I took out my screen, uh, so it was just like open when I ever opened my door. And there was a chopper that was looking for somebody. And it distracted me because at night I'm watching something on my laptop and I'm sitting in my bed and I just look over like this and there's somebody's, they're sticking their head in oh, yeah? my window and I go, excuse me? And I, I freaked out and the guy ran off. By the way. How old were you? I was probably like 12, 13. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And by the way. Good for you. That window is in our backyard. So like that guy had leapt over our wall and was like, that I don't know what he was doing. For, yeah. yeah. And like it left. That was insane. Yeah, I will say generally when I hear the chopper circling in the neighborhood, I will close the windows and, and lock the door. A lot of times I like to have the, the screen door. I, like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to take any chances here. I actually, um, my story of someone trying to climb in the window was at a New Mexico motel. I got what I paid for. Um, yeah, a guy, like, I don't know, 3 in the morning tried to climb in the window. And all I said to the person, because the guy was like, uh, sleep, sleep. Did not speak English. And I was like, no sleep. No. Get out. And he left. Okay. 
Could have gotten a lot worse. Right. Could have gotten a lot worse. You see a lot of videos on TikTok of people, by the way, like with their ring cameras, will go out to like take the garbage out and then come back in, and you'll see somebody like sneak up behind them and like try to get in the house right when they get in. Oh, boy. I've seen like four or five of those videos. Oh, boy. That's pretty That'll scary. That's oh. why you're afraid to stay at home. Number three. Number three. You love Luca. Don't we all love Luca? We're still finding out about him. Great player, unbelievable player, and plus he's playing with one of our favorite players of all time in the NBA, Christian Wood. What's the latest interesting note about Luca? So a reporter asked him the other night if uh, he had been paying attention to any of the changes on Twitter. I don't know if you know this, but something's happening on Twitter. You know, things are changing. Might go under. I don't it's know not what going I would do. under. I don't know what I would do. I would freak you out. You might get banned. Watch uh, what you say. It's very true. Be careful. Yeah. I'm verified, though. Real verification, by the way. Don't not have an acid not tongue. Not ah, you're verified for now. What does it mean? Um, everything. <laughs> no, but he was – Doncic was asking me paying attention to anything that happened on Twitter. His response was, no, I just play chess on my phone. There's no shot he just plays chess on his phone. I'm not saying he's paying attention to what's happening on Twitter. I think that's him trying to sound a lot smarter. I remember during the Olympics seeing a video of Luka Doncic smoking hookah in a room with Olympic co-eds. Right? It was, uh, I can't remember, I always forget, I, I apologize, his country of origin and who he plays for, but it was that basketball team and I think their gymnastics team or something, all hanging out, smoking hookah, having a good time. He's a young kid. You don't just play chess on your phone. Number two. Boy, Denver loves talking about the Broncos. I'm actually shocked sometimes how, I know the NFL is big, but like that's all they do on Sports Talk Radio there. They've got like four stations and they've got, Former Broncos all over their lineups. So I don't know if that's good for Russell Wilson or bad. A lot of the stuff I see from the former NFL players in that market doing sports radio, they they really get on Russell Wilson. Yeah. In a really big way. And to the I, point I, I don't I don't I don't get it. Like his he's an outsider or maybe they're just hearing enough weird stuff out of the locker room where they're like, Hey, oh. I'm going to air with this that already, you know, through half a season a lot of the guys on the Broncos are like, Who the hell is this guy? I mean, I think it's it might be that he's an outsider. I think it's just that he's been disappointing. And so you're going to try to find ways here because you're pretty upset. So you're going to listen to a lot of stories and hear a lot of things, and you're going to go to air with them because it makes him look bad, and frankly, you think he's just been disappointing. This is Tyler Columbus, a former offensive lineman, if I remember correctly, uh, out there in Denver on Altitude Radio. Listen to what he says here about Russell Wilson, who he says is, quote, losing his mind. And I haven't told this on air yet uh, because I've been I've been I've been trying to get a couple people to tell me it just to make sure I felt good about it. And I've had a couple people tell me it now, and I feel good about it. I don't feel good about it, but I feel confident. <laughs> Russell is losing his mind out there. He's losing his mind. He, he's at the line of scrimmage using audibles from from the Seahawks. The guys don't oh. know what the audibles are. I, I mean, he's using code words. The, the guys don't know what the code words From are. The last offense, and, and they're coming back to the huddle, and they're like, "Dude, what are you what are you saying up there? We don't know what the play. We don't know what that is." There's no chance that's true. At this, okay, can I say this? At this point of the season, is there a chance that that story is true from like weeks one through like three? And maybe he made a mistake or whatever. Week 11, and you still think that Russell Wilson, a guy who, albeit has fallen off, played quarterback at an extremely high level for multiple years and won a Super Bowl, is still calling audibles from his old offense at this point of the season? I mean, the guy did say that he waited to hear it from multiple people, so I. That, that tells me that he at least gets a certain responsibility before you go on the air and say something like that. But it's like a game of telephone, right? Like I'm saying, maybe there uh, is some truth to that. All right. But maybe it's been warped in the fact that, yes, this happened early on, but it, is it really – like did they go to where did they play? England? Like in the England game 
Was he really like shouting out like, you know, like, and like, dude, come on. It's actually, it's a Bronco noise. It's not a Seahawk thing. And is it as serious as he suggested? Like the entire audible is from Seahawks verbiage or like, you know, one term he made a mistake or he, you know, he blows it here and there. Right. Which is not good. No, it's not. But still like to, for it to be that bad at this point of the season is I, I just feel like a guy who has played at that level for a really long time would not make that mistake. I could be wrong. Maybe this is happening. Maybe it just happened last Sunday again. But I feel like there's maybe some like there's some truth to that, but it's been warped by hearing it through multiple different people. Well, at least it's not a current receiver or old lineman coming out and saying it. Like at a press conference, right? right? right. At least it's been sort of kept quiet and someone was dumb enough or some ones were dumb enough to leak it to a local radio guy, former player. And it was also pointed out on that same broadcast, um, I, one of the co-hosts there actually pointed out, well, if he's calling audibles all the time because that's how they got into this conversation, he did check into a 60-yard touchdown last weekend. So, like, that's what I also think, like, he can't be still doing this. Number right. one. Make sure if you want to hear the entire show, you go to LVSportsNetwork.com. It's also the place you can go. If you want to win $15,000, and that's incentive, right? LVSportsNetwork.com. That could be rent or mortgage for a year from Lotus Broadcasting and Aaron Taylor, the real estate guy, coming together to give you a chance to win $15,000 to help your rent or mortgage. Or you can just do whatever you want with the money. All you got to do, if you're 18 or older, is go to LVSportsNetwork.com. Get into the race for $15,000, courtesy of Lotus Broadcasting and Aaron Taylor, the real estate guy. So top story today is a continuation of some of the stuff that was said at the beginning of the week. Now the players are getting to react to the comment by Mark Davis about Josh McDaniels, the head coach, that he's doing a fantastic job. Did we get anything from Derek Carr and Devontae Adams on the reaction of Mark Davis that their coach is doing a fantastic job at 2-7? and seven? Uh, he, uh, he was asked, Derek Carr, on Wednesday if uh, Davis' vote of confidence in McDaniels and the uh, front office allowed the players to exhale. Quote, said Carr, it really did. Just being here for nine years and everything that we've all seen and been through and some tragedies and all this stuff, right? I'm so I'm so happy to hear that Mr. Davis feels that way. I don't know. Is that my Derek Carr voice? I'm so happy that he loves Josh. He loves Ziggler, and he believes in them. We don't need to do the love thing every time. You know what? I'm going to say it. I'm tired of Derek Carr's thing. I'm going to say it. It doesn't have to Bull. always be lovey-dovey nonsense. And that's why it's almost Russell Wilson-esque where people don't buy it sometimes. Yeah, man, it was cool. It was good to hear that Davis thought that. Yeah, I'm getting a little a little weary of hearing about how rough it's been for the nine years. All that's, you know, that they've been through. Right. Just play football. Also, don't invoke the tragedy. I know it's kind of like a throwaway line. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. And that was... I drive by that mural a lot. That's not something to invoke when you're talking about confidence in your front office after a 2-7 and seven start for football. It's a good point. Still hits home for most Las Vegans. You know, you and I actually live kind of on opposite sides, straight down the road of that area where uh, Henry Ruggs was driving 1,000 miles an hour. That was my childhood neighborhood. Oh, is that right? Yeah, right there in Spring Valley. Grew up right there, man. Not an area that you should be driving 150. <laughs> and I drive fast, but my God, every time I go through there, I'm like, I don't even know how this is possible. Yeah, I have not enjoyed this week. It's good for Sports Talk Radio. I mean, but I have not. If you're a football fan, you're a Raiders fan, and 
you're anywhere but this week has stunk from a handle adversity standpoint. I don't like any of the stuff getting out in the media. And again, it's my job, so this is, I mean, you're feeding the beast. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's been interesting to talk about. I just think it's it's a bad look for the team. It's a bad look for the rest of the season. And Mark Davis was just trying to kind of cover for everybody, but he only threw gas on the fire. I don't know what Derek Carr is supposed to do. I don't, you, you, you know, you just shut down and not say anything. I mean, it's just the way he is. And I, and I also think, you know, Derek has to start thinking about where his future is, where he is with the Raiders, and how he looks to other franchises. And I think that's part of the, what this week has been. I mean, that's also part of, like, this comment, too. It's, of all the players, I don't think Derek Carr does get to exhale. As we talked about the other day with Adam, as he called them, right, the pillars of the team, the easiest one to move on from this year is Derek Carr. I don't know if that's really a shot to exhale here if you're him. I'm sure Carr went home or even later that night, you know, after he came out crying and sniffling and probably thought to himself, man, I have a little rebuilding to do here. Because a lot of people looked at that and they're like, that is not a great look. And I'm, you know, I'm certain he ain't retiring. Right. He believes he probably has another, you know, six, seven, eight years. Future Indianapolis Colt Derek Carr. Barely into his 30s. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's what's at stake here, John. There's a lot at stake. We'll get into it more, but, you know, what is he going to be? Is he going to go to another franchise that potentially can win, or is he going to be at some of the outposts of the NFL to close out, you know, five, six years of his career just bouncing around from team to team? It's Cofield and Company, the Battleborn Sports Hour, presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call from anywhere in Nevada, 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Wanted to check in on some college basketball. Have you been paying attention to uh, what's going on around the Mountain West? A little bit, yeah. Could be really interesting this year because the conference, I think last year suffered from the fact, well, they didn't suffer, right, because they, right, they, got, they got multiple teams into the big dance. So I guess the argument could be the fact that some programs are down made it easier for those four programs to make it in. But it, it's a much better conference when – you know, CSU and Wyoming are good, but also along with Nevada, UNLV, New Mexico. And right now, early on, John, coming out of the gates, New Mexico especially looks pretty freaking good. And, you know, I got to watch them up close last year a couple times. I know you saw them up close at least one time when they were in town, and they were a very limited squad in the front court. And... You had the feeling that that wasn't going to last too long with Richard Pitino there. He's a good recruiter. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't win at the level that Minnesota wanted him to, but he was he didn't do a horrible job. And I figured out in New Mexico, he's going to get players. So they already have, you know, Mashburn's kid and Eddie House's kid, Jalen House and Mashburn coming back for a, a really good backcourt. They added a couple of transfers in the front court, and it's really all they needed. And they came out of the gates the other day. They just whipped SMU. SMU is not what it was last year, but beat them by 21. Quality program. Yep. But they added a big from the KC Ruse, where Marvin Menzi is now, and uh, and our buddy Joe Esposito. Kid Alec, he went out for 18-9. Morris Udeze, who uh, UNLV really wanted, and another big um, Mountain West Conference teams really wanted. Big kid, 260, 6'8". Lands at New Mexico. He had 15-8, and eight, so... 
boy, if New Mexico's back, and then the other factor with New Mexico, when you go down there, if their home crowd comes back out, like they're down in attendance, but they're still, by Mountain West Conference standards, they're still drawing like 8,500. If they get back to a level where they're getting 12,000, 13,000, coming close to selling out near 15,000, I don't think you've been to the pit and maybe you get to go this year. That place is awesome. And it is loud and those people care. And we've seen it when the Mountain West Conference Tournament comes to Vegas, the best traveling crowd yep. when their program is doing well. It's not even an argument is New Mexico. Nothing they'll bring, like, bring 10,000 people here. Nothing like the first day red wave, right, in the, in the Mountain West Conference Tournament when New Mexico plays. No, I agree. So when I wrote about it, so I wrote, for the Mount, I wrote about the Mountain West for our, our college basketball betting guide. And, is that uh, for the New York Post, too? No, it's not. We no, don't actually our deals case. our deals up with the Oh, it's Post. over? Yeah, we don't. Oh, uh, it was great exposure. Uh, go back and check out New York Post archives of John. There you go. Um, no, but when I wrote about the Mount West, what I put about New Mexico was like they had a potential be like a top three, I thought, if everything went right for them, a top three team in the Mountain West, more three than anything else. I love that backcourt. I think they arguably have the best backcourt in the Mountain West. And here's the other thing, because this is what we, the injuries around the conference opened the door up for them. Hunter McIntosh for Nevada, Grandma uh, Ike for Wyoming, um, Isaiah Stevens for Colorado State. These are really big injuries for these teams that could open the door for teams like New Mexico and UNLV. And granted, like and, most and, of them. And, and by the way, I know you mentioned the Nevada injury. Nevada does have a lot of upside with their with their transfers yep. in Lucas, and also if their freshman from Vegas, Williams, yep. is an impact freshman, they have a chance to do something. Right, and and. The, the guys that I mentioned are more than likely going to be back by the time conference play starts. But you're still ramping your season up at that point where all these guys have been playing basketball together for about whatever it is, you know, 10-ish games, however long. Like, it, it's an open door for a team like New Mexico who I think they've got guards who get to the free throw line, guards who can shoot. They now have a better front court. I like it a lot. Let's talk a little college basketball coming locally here at T-Mobile. Access.com is where you get your tickets. There's a, essentially a, a sweet 16-quality field. Baylor is coming in for Friday and Sunday games. And Scott Drew is always nice enough to uh, pop on with us. Uh, would generally come on with uh, Coach Joe Esposito, who's with the KC Ruse now. And Coach Drew is up with Cofield and Company. How are you, Coach? Well, thank you very much for having me. It's great to be back in Vegas. And if anyone's a Hoops fan, man, you got a, a – I, I agree with the Sweet 16. I'd go even a step further. You got Final Four quality this weekend. There you go. I didn't want to. I didn't want to overhype and then have you come on and go pump the brakes. We're not ready yet. We're not yeah. ready for that kind of hype. But it really. I mean, Illinois is playing UCLA. You guys are playing Virginia, and I got to tell you, Coach, man, you have reloaded. Looking over the roster, watching some of your early games. I mean, you did a great job on the uh, transfer portal, and then your freshman class has come out. And they've looked really good so far. Well, we, we've been blessed, and uh, every team in this uh, field has, has gotten off to a great start. Uh, in the last three years, we're the winningest Power 5 program in the country. You take Virginia, they've won seven ACC conference championships or conference tournament championships. Duke and Carolina won three and four. So that's a great uh, – uh, and they won the, the Natty in 2019. Um, we obviously uh, uh, won it two years ago. So uh, that's a great game. And then you turn around in Illinois and UCLA. Uh, I mean, if you're a Hoops fan, Hoops junkie, I come out here for the summer league in the NBA and watch our guys. Uh, and there's a lot of Hoops fans in Vegas. Uh, I just encourage everyone to come out and uh, uh, watch good basketball if uh, you have the time. So I was uh, perusing your Twitter account, Coach. Did you get a chance to stop by Thomas and Mac and uh, visit some folks? Yeah, we, we actually had a, a, a shoot around there, a practice there. 
And uh, uh, anytime you get a chance to spend time with the legend uh, coach uh, uh, Lon Kruger, it's a great day. Uh, learned so much from him over the years. Uh, he, he, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, his son is going to do an amazing job at uh, UNLV. He's a great coach. And uh, I know the program is really in for uh, a lot of good things in the next couple of years. That's funny. What time were you there? Were you here, uh, just uh, there now or in the morning? Two to, two to four. Yeah, we, we right. just got off All the right. bus. You know, the one thing we don't have in Waco is the traffic you got in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> we got a little bit. No, it's just funny because I, yeah, yeah. I was there at noon today for UNLV availability. We're like within walking distance of the gym. We could have done this interview face-to-face. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah, we're, we're like, we're, Vegas, actually, with all the venues, it actually is kind of small. It's just very crowded in this small area. There's venues everywhere. All right, uh-huh. so you come out of the gates, Coach. We're talking to Scott Drew, the head coach of Baylor. They got a, a, a two-game set coming up here, potentially, if they beat Virginia. Then they're going to play UCLA or Illinois. You come out of the gates. You won by, what, 33-17-54 when – you're practicing after those games. Like, what are the what are the teaching moments? Like, what do you guys still need to work on? Yeah. Well, uh, from each, especially early in the season, uh, each game there's so many uh, different teaching points and things that you can address. And then when you get big big leads and wins, you play a lot of guys, so you get a lot of film to work with. And every coach is the exact same. Nobody wins a national championship after game one, and you have to get better each and every day. It's a marathon to the end. And uh, we're like every other team, just trying to improve in uh, uh, the areas that we need to improve. And that's what's great about a field like this. If you have a weakness, it'll be identified quickly. And after this weekend, uh, you'll be able to hopefully work on it before you get into conference play. Do you like the way you're kind of building the program now in a time of upheaval, you know, a mix of freshmen, transfer portal, and then you also have some guys who are in the program, and that's important, right, to have some guys who are the building blocks who have been around for a couple of years if you're going to turn over half the roster. Yeah, no no question. I think every coach in the country would prefer more returning and more experience if possible, um, and, and that's where Virginia actually returns 91% of their scoring, which leads the country. So uh, that's a veteran team. Um, we, we have a nice blend, a nice mix, and uh, – it really makes coaching a lot easier because players are always going to listen to players more than coaches. And when you have those upperclassmen that know what you want, how you want it done, they can help the underclassmen or the new players figure it out quicker. So that, 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 that's definitely been a key to our success, having great uh, returning players and upperclassmen who are great uh, uh, leaders. I mentioned that the freshmen have come in and done a good job. You had a really good recruiting class. You won big time on the trail. How important is it for Baylor to send guys to the NBA, not only send them, but actually have guys turn out and be pretty good players when you're sending the message to the the, uh, potential Uh recruits? Well, most recruits' dreams are to play in the NBA, and uh, obviously it doesn't hurt when us and Gonzaga are the only two programs that have back-to-back top ten picks. So uh, Davion Mitchell at Sacramento is – uh, going to do a great uh, uh, job for the Kings this year and hopefully for many years to come. And Jeremy Sohan, who's the first rookie to start for Pop in the Spurs since I think Tim Duncan or Tony Parker, one of those two. So wow. um, uh, you definitely uh, – hey, coaches are only as good as their players. I learned uh, when, when Michael Jordan left the Bulls to go try baseball, Phil Jackson didn't become a worse coach, but they didn't win a championship that year. So we all know how important players are. Have you gotten a chance? I mean, you're so busy at this time of year. Do you get a chance to watch these guys? Like, I've been, I'm an NBA writer for my main job, and Jeremy's been freaking awesome watching him. His metrics are great. Yeah. He pops off the screen. Do you get a chance to watch them at all this time of year? Well, I, I, I like to see what his hairstyle is. So I, I, whenever <laughs> I get a chance, 
but then the the other thing is, uh, I, I mean, I, it, last night we or after we beat Northern Colorado, I got in, and it was probably uh, uh, twelve o'clock. Turned on Sports Center, was making something to eat real quick, and uh, he let off Sports Center. Jeremy Sohan with the dunk, and yeah. so uh, it, it's nice if they're on Sports Center. But I do try to watch him some in, in games. As far as uh, once season begins for us, it's hard to do much other than working with your team, watching your game film, and then prepping for who you're playing, though. UCLA, Baylor, Illinois, Virginia, in Vegas, at T-Mobile. AXS.com is where you get your tickets. Scott Drew's on the horn with us right now. Coach, we're up against it, but I want you intrigued me for a second there Well, with a lot of stuff you talked about, but what do coaches do after a game? You get home. What do you whip up? Like what You have leftovers? What do you eat late <laughs> night? What do you do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I, I have no cooking skills. So Uh-oh. if it can't be microwave or yeah. if it's not peanut butter and jelly, I'm really limited. So I'm praying that uh, I got some leftovers in the fridge. Uh, but <laughs> normally, normally it's something it's something real quick. And then uh, I, I watch. I, I like to break down the game before, and and normally we'll work on some of it maybe at the office or um, uh, uh, talk to uh, coaches about what we're going to break down, and then. It's 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 if you get pizza, uh, that's really not good the whole season long. Yeah, it yeah. eats at midnight, but definitely eat something and break down film that night because it's hard to sleep after a win. I mean, you're so emotional, and uh, hopefully you're in a good mood. Coach, we appreciate a couple of minutes. Thank you so much. I know you're hustling uh, between venues, and good luck in these games this weekend. Appreciate you. Thank you guys for all you do, and basketball fans, hope to see you out. They're really playing with just a good group of receivers, no elite players. And then they don't throw the ball really enough. Usually they want to throw about 20 to 25 times a game uh, to have balance, 60-40, running the football, somewhere around there. I think that ultimately, if they want to have success in any big-time game, they got to have some receivers make some plays. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Blaine Bishop. Former Titan, former Oiler, former Cofield and Company guest. Now going on with Barton Hahn. Band! Kidding. Kidding. He was on ESPN National. But talking about the Packers and their weapons, boy, because of the Titans' injury issues, John, you can tell us about that, this number has jumped. It's now three and a half here at William Hill. Packers favored over the Titans Thursday night football. Three and a half even. Total 40 and a half. Yeah, I think it's uh, four starters defensively for the Tennessee Titans are not going to play here tonight. So you saw that. What does that mean for you Uh, and the Packers offense? I think it means a lot for a Packers offense. That I, I mean, you could argue they showed some signs last week. Yeah, slowly starting to find their footing, right? Like over 200 yards on the ground and five yards per carry. Against hey, hey, run the ball! Right. What a concept when you have two good running backs. And what happens then? The passing game gets a little bit more opened up because, of course, guys are keen on the run, and uh, Christian Watson gets three touchdowns. So, no, I think it's pretty big, and especially for by some metrics, a Titans team that it actually hasn't been good in the secondary defensively to then get even thinner. Um, I would say the line move here is. Uh, correct, and I would also say you can still get the tight or excuse me the Packers at like three to one to make the playoffs. I think the start of something good here for for Green Bay. I'm not buying it. I'm in. Yeah, are you? I mean, I feel like not to make excuses, but like even for a guy like Christian Watson, right? Right before the season, he gets a knee scope. You know, he gets off to a slow start. It's a, he's a rookie receiver. That's generally a really hard position to kind of get acclimated in the National Football League. I think everybody sees Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and thinks like, this is cake. All these guys should hit the ground running. It's not really the case for wide receivers in the NFL generally. And so maybe it takes a little bit of time. 
and all of that kind of put together, if Rodgers starts to trust Watson, this running game is still really good. There's seven seeds available now in the NFC and the AFC. Not the worst thing in the world to, get, to grab a seven. For anyone who missed the news earlier in the day about Buffalo and Snowmageddon, which who knows what's going to fall on Sunday and Saturday. That's important. What happens before the game? They moved the Browns-Bills game from Buffalo to Detroit, so they're safe from the weather there. Now they just have to get there. If I got – if I went contrarian, right, like two days ago on the total, what was the lowest number, 43? I think, yeah, 43. It shot down from 47.5 to 43, I think. Snow, right? It's going to be a disaster. If I went contrarian and bet the over, are any of my over 43s good? Depends on now, where you shop. Because William Hill now has the, the total at 49.5. Right. Depends on where you shop. Now, I, I, I think this is factual, uh, but obviously always check. But I believe like a spot like the Superbook, uh, if there's a change of venue, then it is still on as long as it's played within eight days. And, again, check on that one to confirm. But every shop has different rules. Some shops say change of venue. That means your ticket is void and, uh, you know, you get a refund, whatever it is, digitally nowadays. It's just put back in your account and you got to rebet the game. Uh, but I would always say, right, check house rules. House rules differ from shop to shop. If you bet over 43 and a half, you might still have that right now on a game that's at Ford Field as opposed to over there in Buffalo. This week in the NFL, Week 11, has some fascinating numbers. Did you think when you, you looked at it, like, would anything st- stick out for you? Giants three against the Lions? You think that's too short? By the records, yes. By the records, yeah. I mean, I think by the I mean, statistics. I don't think the Giants are a great team, but three? The, I think the Lions have shown the ability to run the ball, and that was – so I actually bet this thing over the total, and it moved against me. It's going to be cold. It's not going to be snowy. But – if you look at it from a defensive standpoint, Giants pretty below average against the run, and that's how the Lions really get their thing going. I would say that I kind of get it. And statistically, the Giants are a very, we'll call it, weak 7-2. and two. Like, they've gotten the job done, but point differential, DVOA, all these other things would point to a team that has gotten pretty lucky. Saints 3 against the Rams. That, that's when I didn't really. I, I, I've gotten burned by the Rams so many times, I'm ready yeah. to get hurt again. Also the Vikings. Let's I go. Can't, I can't let the Rams Hurt me again. I'm ready. Please, guys. It's Cofield and Company, Battleborn Sports Hour, presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call from anywhere in Nevada, 766-1400. College leans and likes. Brad Powers on the way. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. Brad is up at Brad Power 7 on Twitter, bradpowersports.com. John, you were just telling me we were talking about Twitter during the break, and you were saying some different stuff's coming across. You were saying that you're getting like a regular answer from on some tweets, some gambling tweets from what do you think are bots, and then you got would you get a link sent your way that said guaranteedfixgames.com? Yeah, Brad, are you getting these? Like anytime I send out a tweet, I'll get somebody that tells me I've got a guaranteed fix. Click the link here for some money. Yeah, I get them. They get blocked, so they don't show up. Uh, but yeah, I do get an automatic response every time I. All right, a little bit odd. Then uh, we were just talking about something that was up on CBS Sports that seemed a little odd. What was it, John? Uh, Dennis Dodd, speaking of odd. Uh, so, Brad, I don't know if you saw <laughs> this. So the, so the headline was, uh, College Sports Overlooked Gambling Issue, Improprieties Being Ignored as Betting Soars Nationwide. And it was an interview with, with Matt Holt, uh, who runs a betting integrity company, CEO of U.S. Integrity. I know him. I believe you do, too. And, and I thought it was an interesting piece because – 
it, it quotes Matt here saying that essentially every college football Saturday he'll flag approximately five games for gambling improprieties. And it goes on to talk about college kids are more vulnerable to getting fixed games, all these things. What do you make of that? Because I feel like there's maybe a little bit more nuance to that when it comes to some games flashing for some irregular betting activity. Injury news could be breaking, things of that nature. But, but the thought process of college games and players still being vulnerable to games being fixed and at this rate being worth talking about, what do you make of it? Yeah, it's an excellent question. Number one, I did like the dig on Dodds, uh, Dennis Dodd first. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, number two, as far as this issue, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I, I think it's, I mean, if you want to say that there's a lot of insider information on injuries, because we've seen, you know, sometimes the market, particularly with the MAC, uh, market has no idea. Guys are in and out. Uh, and then other times, like I'm sure we'll talk about it this segment, I mean, you see the leak of the news on the Utah-Oregon game and a line moves five, six points. I think there's certainly the ability for guys like myself and others with a lot bigger bankrolls than me that they have insider information, so maybe you can see some irregular betting in that regard. But as far as a guy throwing an interception or fumbling on purpose uh, in football, I don't see it. Uh, if there was any sport where there could be, and I doubt it to the, at this extent, but if there's any sport they could, it would be college hoops. Yeah, I don't love that. I don't love that angle. Not your angle, but Dennis Dodd's angle. But let's get to some games here, and then we'll get a leaner like for the NFL game tonight. Uh, Mountain West Conference action tomorrow. San Diego State 14 at New Mexico. Well, I'll take 14 and a half. 14, uh, I know it's at some books, but uh, you don't shop around. I mean, that's yeah. basically the, the difference between winning and losing, living and dying here, just getting the best of the number. I'm going to lean New Mexico, although, I mean, obviously offensively, they might be the worst offense in college football. Not might, probably are. Uh, but uh, San Diego State laying more than two touchdowns on the road with a total of 36. Uh, no, thank you. Let's uh, search around for some upsets that could be in, you know, involved in the CFP or just outside the CFP. Penn State, 19 at Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no upset here. Uh, but I could make a case that Rutgers could hang around a little bit here. I think it's a pretty fair number, though. I mean, the fact that Circa opened 19. 19 is a dead number, and it's still sitting at 19. Pretty much tells you all that, that needs to be said about the game as far as extracting some value. I'm going to lean Rutgers, but that's a $5 Totino's Pizza theme there. Wow, not even – well, actually, I like the pizza College football playoff hope still alive for Rutgers. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, believe I, could <laughs> go very de- I could go very deep into this one. I saw a tweet the other day mocking on this as a rivalry, and it's not really. Uh, Rutgers hasn't won since 1988. In this rivalry, that was uh, my first year at the school, and uh, at the time, I was like, "Wow, that's a really good football program." Uh, nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing for the next next thirty four years. Um, Tennessee twenty two at South Carolina. I think it looks expensive, and yet we continue to see money come in on Tennessee. So, my advice to anyone listening: uh, wait on South Carolina. You might be able to even get a better number, but. I mean, from a pure power ratings aspect, I think the line should be closer to twenty at the absolute most. I get it, Tennessee. Maybe looking for style points. It sure looked like it last week, but uh, I got to play my power rings, and they say uh, some value here on the Gamecocks. A little more Big Ten. Ohio State's laying twenty-seven and a half at Maryland. Yet another game where my power ratings say it's a pretty expensive uh, on Ohio State. I can't get anything north of twenty-four. Now Maryland has failed to cover in five straight. Their quarterback doesn't look a hundred percent, but I got to think that Ohio State puts the offense away in the second half with Michigan on deck. So I'm going to lean Maryland here plus 27 and a half. Another game where 
you know, if you're going to bet Maryland, wait. I mean, maybe a 28 pops up on, on game day. Road grading football. Illinois is catching 18 at Michigan. <laughs> I'm another dog here. I'm going to take Illinois, even though they're banged up, and I worry about the status of Chase Brown, their outstanding running back, but you got a total of 40 and a half. You got, you know, an Illinois defense, even though they're not as healthy as what they were even three, four weeks ago. Number two in the country still, uh, and you're giving me 18 points. I'm going to take Illinois plus 18. USC at UCLA uh, this is down to two and a half. And also, were you behind the total move? Circa opened at 82 and a half. I didn't get 82 and a half. Someone beat me to that. That was obviously on the high side. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily, you know, I think if you're in the weeds a little bit, if you looked at the conditions of the Rose Bowl last week against Arizona, I don't want to be betting over a total if they don't fix that field because that was abysmal. I mean, I've seen high school fields in Ohio uh, in December that look better than that. So uh, I'm going to – the value here for me, though, is UCLA. I think they went outright. So take them plus two and a half, take them on the money line. I think the, there's some several mispricings here. Number one, I think overreaction to UCLA getting upset last week. Number two, just from a statistical aspect, I mean, UCLA is better in yards per game and yards per play margins. And I think UCLA played the much tougher Pac-12 schedule. I mean, of the top teams, I mean, they've played three of them, Washington, Utah, and Oregon. And, uh, you know, obviously USC's only played one at Utah, and that's their only loss. So Travis Dye being out for USC, I think, moves the needle at least a half point as far as I'm concerned. So and all that up, UCLA's one of my favorite plays of the week. What about Utah, Oregon? Utah's now a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, total 60. Is Bo Nix out? Well, that line tells you he's out because, I yeah. mean, just the yesterday we did this show at this time, it was Oregon 3. So I, I know moving through zero it doesn't take much, but uh, in a big game, uh, you go from plus 3 to minus 2.5, and, and I even seen some three flashes on the screen as far as Utah being favored today. And that tells you that, at the very least, he's doubtful. Uh, and obviously that news leaked a little bit last night. So to me, that goes, I don't know how you're betting Oregon, to be honest with you. Utah dominated Oregon last year. Now you take away, you know, Oregon's basically them what's been their offense this year. So, and Ty Thompson, I know he's highly touted, but uh, he just hasn't been able to put it all together. So I'm going to lean Utah here. TCU under a field goal, two and a half on the road against Baylor, total of 58. Do the Horned Frogs slip up finally? I've lost my butt trying to predict that. Uh, three straight weeks, three straight losers. Uh, you know, last week was the first time that I thought, man, they, they really, I couldn't make a case that I had the right side with Texas at all. Where some of these other games I could have, quarterbacks getting hurt and whatnot, non-offensive touchdowns. But this one, again, I think Baylor, the, the market's telling you Baylor's the sharp side. We've seen threes yeah. get taken off the market. Uh, I, I, Baylor by low. I mean, after a 28 point loss at Kansas State at home last week, they'll TCU off their best performance of the season outside of, you know, the Oklahoma domination. Uh, it's Baylor for me plus two and a half. Professional handicapper Brad Powers with us. You can follow him up on Twitter at Brad Powers7. I'm having a brain fart. Did you ask him about the biggest Mountain West game on the schedule? Boise State on the road against Wyoming. First place in that division on the line. Broncos 14 point favorite in Laramie. Lean Boise State minus 14. I just think Wyoming's a little bit of a fraud. They've been outgained by nearly 100 yards per game this year, despite a 7-3 and record. So, uh, I Boise State, since they made the quarterback and offensive coordinator change, yeah. I mean, they had the one loss against BYU, but they've clearly been the best team in the Mountain West since they made those changes. They need some upsets in the Southeast Conference, Southeastern Conference. Georgia 22-and-a-half against Kentucky. Come on. 
You're not getting it. I mean, <laughs> it's one where I wanted to bet Georgia, but, I mean, as far as value, Vanderbilt took that away because I thought Kentucky nope. was overrated. But, you know, him losing outright against Vanderbilt, guys, you know, took all that value away. And if you think there's a lot of value, this is another one. 22 is a dead number. I mean, it should come down or should go to 24. It hasn't moved. It opened 22, 22 and a half, and it hasn't moved at all. So, uh, for me, it's a pass. UAB ruins things for LSU getting 15. No, I don't think so. I mean, a lot of people say flat spot for LSU. I don't see it. I think the flat spot was last week. I mean, they lose that game of K.J. Jefferson plays for Arkansas. That was off the big win against Alabama. You know, 30 degrees. It's an early start time. This one's Death Valley at night celebrating a team, you know, on senior day that clearly exceeded expectations. UAB, sure, their stats look good, but they've looked good the last five years. In the last five years when UAB has had to step up and play a Power 5 team, this is what's happened. They've lost all five games by an average of 28 points per game, and they've gone 0-5 against the spread, failing to cover by 12 points per game. More of the same here, LSU minus 15, one of my favorite plays of the week. The nation's favorite spots, especially in the East, football at 1 o'clock in the morning. Let's do this. Late games, Mountain West Conference, showcased. Nevada. Getting 22 against Fresno. Lean Nevada, believe it or not. I just, from a value aspect, I mean, look, let's do some line comparison. I get it, Nevada stinks, and they got crushed last week, but they're 21 at home against Boise State. I just got done saying I think Boise State's the best team in the Mountain West, and now all of a sudden against a lesser Fresno State team, the line's 22 and a half. So, mm-hmm. lean Nevada. Yeah, I don't think Fresno State's run defense is very good, so. Wolfpack might be able to get some uh, yardage on the ground. And then uh, UNLV is on the road against Hawaii. Must-win situation here next two weeks for UNLV to finally get back to that bowl game. That's what they want. 11, though. 11 against Hawaii. Yeah, you speak about 11. Last time UNLV laid 11 on the road, 2001. Give me Hawaii plus 11. UNLV wins, but I there's no way and, and, and I'm going to lay 11 points with UNLV on the road. Yeah, last week, uh, Utah State got backdoored, finished up a seven-point game a couple weeks ago. Uh, Wyoming only what seven over Hawaii. Yeah. Well, I pay attention to the scores. I don't, I don't. 2001, I'm like, wow, that, that is a long time ago. We're getting old. I was 10. Uh, now, now it makes us feel really old. Thanks. Actually, Brad's very young as well. Uh, all right, Brad, let's close on this. Give me a leader like if you got anything on the Packers now up to three, three and a half against Tennessee. I know Tennessee's beat up, but, man, this number has just jumped big time. Yeah, I just shot for the three and a half, take three and a half of the Titans. I mean, they yeah, they're banged up, but they can run the football, play defense, and big reason why they've covered seven consecutive games. My buying of the Packers just because they, they finally won a game. So Tennessee for me plus three and a half. When, uh, well, I guess you have to do it when the bowl games are announced, but uh, just to look ahead a couple of weeks, um, tell people about what's going to be coming out because you're unbelievable with your bowl package. Oh, wow. Thank you. Uh, you know, I just pick every bowl game and, you know, People are like, what? You, you pick and give out a pick on every bowl game? Yeah, I just think I have an edge. And I'll be honest with you, I say that it's tough to win. But I would argue that the last three, four years, bowl games are the one, you know, outlier that actually is easier to win because instead of, you know, speculating, is a team, you know, uh, is a team going to want to be here or not? I mean, they just don't show up. The players opt out of the game altogether. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's a time where you can get 7, 10, 14 points. A closing line value is something you, you just don't get at any other point during the season. So if you're interested in it, follow me on Twitter, Brad Power 7 or go to my website, BradPowerSports.com. You demand. Thanks, Brad.
Thank you, guys. Take care. Yeah, yeah that happened a bunch of times last year where if you – you can almost kind of predict schools where guys were not going to play, and then you get this incredible line value. And like you said, it kind of makes it obvious if four or five guys say, you know, I'm NFL bound, I ain't playing in the bowl game, then you have a big edge. So some of the doubt has gone out of it in terms of who's motivated, who's not. Of course. Now when you expand, they'll care. I can't wait. What does that mean? Like the college football playoff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good times. Good times. Thanks to Reno for listening in. If you want to hear the entire show, the archives, LBSportsNetwork.com is where you go. Vegas, come on down to Silver 7, 77-cent beers for the hockey game tonight. And Thursday Night Football is on the way on ESPN Las Vegas.